1: he's pricing.
0: yeah he froze <laughs> to kick the show off no time the, classic. At all. the classic there we
1: go it would not uh, be
2: um, a me appearance without that there
1: we go there we go i love Man. it i love it uh but how are you how are you going
2: good we just finished up our pod uh oh, yeah would be better if the celtics won two days to center loss is never fun uh but overall pretty solid i don't know about jack go. though
1: Jack, how are we doing, big fella? I'm He's good. He's usually
2: the miserable one.
1: I'm good. <laughs> All
0: right. Sam's lying and freezing to start the show off. No, I'm Let's good. Go. I'm good. Uh, I was a great game against the Thunder. I, like Sam said, would have been even greater if the Celtics had won, but it was a good game nonetheless. I'm good. How about you, Jake? How are you doing?
1: i right, doing good. Doing good. Sun's shining. Uh, just thought we'd, we'd kick this thing off after the Bucs. Lost, it was looking close. It was tied pretty much at halftime, and uh, paces broke him open. But we, we'll we we'll get to that uh, with the Schadenfreude report at the end here. But, uh, you know, I think we, we had to get an episode out today. Ben and Spoony family things this time of year. Um, I have no children yet, so my um, responsibilities are still slightly um, slightly less. So I'm getting this thing rolling today. Thunder Celtics, one of the games of the year. Uh, Jack, we'll start with you. Overall thoughts, um, panic stations, where are we? Uh, I wouldn't say panicky at all. I mean, it was a great game against a
0: great team. The Thunder are one of the best teams in the league for a reason. It felt like they were right there with the Thunder uh, through the first two quarters, regardless of their... I mean, missing open shots, to be quite frank. The, uh, the Celtics couldn't hit many of their shots. Jalen Brown had a tough game. Uh, and then in the third quarter, the Thunder were able to break it open a little bit. Celtics missed a few layups. OKC brought it out in transition, kind of piled on from there. But I credit the Celtics for powering back in the fourth when all hope looked lost. I don't know. I, I just kind of chalk it up to the Thunder were as close to perfect as you could be uh, until the Celtics made that run in the fourth. Celtics made a couple of mistakes and Thunder were able to capitalize on it. This isn't a game I'm ready to panic about, though. It was two good teams. Thunder played very well. Celtics, I thought, even despite their struggles, played pretty well. Uh, just the Thunder got the edge up in this one.
2: Yep. All fair. Sam, where are you on this one? So, I agree. Like, this is a really weird game because this, at, on one hand, like, it is like a what-are-you-going-to-do type game because OKC could not miss for a lot of the game. Oof. But at the same time, it's like... It would have been sick if the Celtics got stops, And also if they finished off the comeback, there is that lingering frustration of, oh, wow, like they were right there. They could have got over the hump if they made free throws or made layups or, you know, pick out your like little gripe of the game if Jalen gave them literally anything or Drew Holiday wasn't the absolute worst. Like you, you can go on and on about this, that, the other. But at the end of the day, you played a really good Thunder team, a Thunder team that has beaten... Denver they've beaten Minnesota they have now beaten you and they are on a five game win streak so it's nothing to be ashamed of it didn't feel like a game where the effort wasn't there which is usually where I get kind of mad I'm like oh that kind of sucks like hate when like they just give up offensive rebounds or turn the ball over or take dumb shots and there really wasn't any of that yesterday like it was a pretty under control Celtics game they just got beat they got beat. Yeah, it happens. absolutely
1: no shame in yesterday's game. Like the the East-West crossover games are always tough. I feel like when a, a big Western Conference team comes to town, you like, we often get the win. And going out to the West is is always hard. Like the Thunder are as hot as anybody in the NBA right now. I mean, they are. I, I, must, I mean, every podcast. National-wise, is talking about the Thunder today, um, I've been on the Thunder team. Like, they ha- they kind of have it all. Uh, they have the star player. They have the elite defense. They score with anybody every single night. So, like, they – yeah, this loss, absolutely nothing to be concerned about, especially, like, yeah, you mentioned some of the things that could have easily gone the other way. Uh, I mean, you, you get a Mickey Mouse game from bloody Josh Giddy, Australia's – i'm not gonna say finest probably not the right year to use that word tough, um, tough but, like
2: two months for josh giddy
1: yeah yeah we uh <laughs> yeah not not yet and especially for him to 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 come back and do that to to his fellow australian like myself like mm. i liked the game plan coming out like i actually kind of tweeted that out like i wonder if they put porzingis on giddy and le- let him roam you can kind of switch everything else and uh they did go for that. The problem was Josh Giddy goes, like, knocks down those two threes. He has confidence. And, like, that's the second time all year that he's made four threes.
2: Oh, yeah, don't tell true. me that. You, I yeah. didn't need to know that. Yeah. I was yeah, literally about to be like, <laughs> it gives me PTSD to the last year game in OKC where the Celtics yeah. got steamrolled and he made every shot. Oh, I didn't need to know that. Now I'm more mad.
1: I'm sorry. Yeah, the yeah, the other time he was 4 for 8. So he even did it on better efficiency uh tonight uh yesterday. Oh, the good okay. news is he actually is 2 for 2 from 3 tonight. So I don't know if that helps or or makes it worse. But uh so you get that from Giddy, which is just a complete outlier game. The Thunder are one of the other best three-point shooting team in the league pretty much so far. So you don't want to say like they had an outlier shooting game, but they did go 45% from three, but, like, that third quarter, they shoot 66% from three. They come out, like, hit three straight threes, and it was just kind of an avalanche. And by the, it was, like, by the time they had kind of become normal and returned to earth, it was hard for the Celtics to get back in the game at that point. Um, SGA, though, I mean, they kind of threw everyone at him except for Tatum late, but, I mean... Going into the game, did you have confidence that we were going to be able to slow him down? Uh, were you surprised by the lack of effectiveness by both Derek and Drew? I'll throw it to you, Jack.
0: Um, it, it was tough. We got asked in our pregame show, like, do you think the Celtics should try to slow down SJ or slow down everyone else? And it kind of felt like they... I mean, we both said they shouldn't have to. They're good enough to contain everybody. And that obviously didn't work. Um, it felt like the game plan for most of the, the time was let some of their non-shooters shoot. And like you said, Giddy just happened to have a great three-point shooting game, which was tough. Um, but I think the Celtics, for the most part, were comfortable throwing one body at SGA. That clearly didn't work, right? Like SGA is probably the best in the league at driving to the hoop. Uh, Drew holiday is one of the best defenders in the NBA as any player in the league will tell you, but even he just couldn't keep up with them. SGA would get to the side by one step, take two steps and just be gone. Like he, his ability to control his speed is ridiculous. I said to Sam, I, I think SGA is the best player. The Celtics have played yet uh, this season by a pretty wide margin. I know they've played MB and Edwards and all this, but like they've had answers for some of those other guys. They had no answer for SGA. Even when they put Tatum on, in the end of the game, they were having to show help show two bodies in the lane and, it was tough. SGA was on a different level, and there's just it's tough to stop him. As much as it sucked that Drew Holiday had an off night, especially on offense, uh, he wasn't great defensively. But there's only so much you can do against a guy like SGA, and I mean he is, at least in my opinion, the MVP of the league right now for a reason.
1: Whoa, okay, Th- throwing it out there. S- I mean, there SGA is no MVP. better time.
0: I, I did <laughs> say this. Uh, Sam freezes quickly. For a like, I said this on the pod on our podcast. I think. <laughs> two or three days ago uh, that I thought SGA was the MVP of uh, the league. Yeah. I mean, you, you saw what he could do. He shot, he had 33 points on 14 of 19 shooting in three quarters against the Celtics. That's insane. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. That's nuts. It was a crazy game.
1: Yeah, dude, I'm, I look, I don't think that's crazy at all, but I mean, it's just to, to say, I mean, like, Embiid, uh, Jokic, he, he's right there right now, absolutely. And, like, SGA and the Thunder have been my favorite team to watch outside the Celtics. Like, I've probably watched, like, half of their games, I'd say. And uh, every night, I'm like, this guy is awesome. I love watching him. Uh, it feels so different when that guy plays against your team, though. It was, it's, yeah. it's it's similar to how I, f- I felt and feel about Steph Curry. Like, always one of my favorite players to watch. And now every time Steph Curry does his thing, I'm like, I oh, just... It's not quite as enjoyable as it once was now that he's ripped um, a, a ring out of our cold dead hands. But, uh, and it, it didn't feel quite as bad as that yesterday, but like he, he's unstoppable um, getting downhill and slithering through. Yeah. Someone in the firstly, happy birthday, Bill, uh, Phil, Aussie, Hello. Phil legend in the chat here. Um, happy birthday. a beer, Jake, it's my birthday. I literally just finished a steak and potatoes and, um, which is because i'm a grown-up i can eat whatever i want and i just went for a a big steak and potatoes uh home cooked at uh at lunch but happy birthday feel like i mean you've been you kind of been first to the floor since day one so appreciate you and happy birthday um don't go too hard tonight it's only i guess it's thursday you can do whatever you want um bs sam sga now that you're back in here
2: um sga mvp uh Better basketball player than uh, Verizon is Wi-Fi provider. That's for sure. (laughs) Um, I will say this, and I said this to Jack before the Thunder game. The Thunder do not have anybody on their team that I hate quite yet, uh, Mm -hmm. mostly because their team is very young. So I haven't had a lot of opportunities to develop a distaste for a lot of their players. But uh, SGA still has not done that to me. I, I respect his game. I think his buckets are honorable, as they say. I yes. respect that he has kept the mid-range alive. I think that's very fun. It's an interesting wrinkle to his game where he makes you have to actually think when you guard him and he keeps you honest. And I, I enjoyed watching it. I mean, obviously, like you said, when they do it to your favorite team, it sucks. It's not what you want. But he's just like one of the league's best. He's that he's looked at that way for a reason. And we all kind of got a taste of it yesterday. It sucked that uh, none of the all-defensive caliber guards is how he's had I any d- answer yeah. for him. But it was really cool that Tatum was like, hey, let me take yeah. care of it, and actually did.
1: Yeah, I, I mean, that's that's the best. Someone mentioned this tweet here. Noah from Celtics blog popped this one up earlier today. Um, she's been on it with all of the like Celtics content from other podcasts. But over the summer, Holiday named SGA is like his least favorite player to guard in the NBA. Oh. Um, just like saying he hates it. <laughs> it's like – True, you should have said something, dude, before the game. We could,
2: yeah, we like pl- in the locker room, like, "Hey guys, yeah. m- not me tonight."
1: Yeah, I'll try, but this is gonna go bad. Just let let us know. Um, that would have been really helpful to know beforehand. Potato man, I mean, maybe you want to you see them get to that a little bit earlier. But the fact that he took the responsibility and Abby Chin reporting after the game, like he requested the matchup in the fourth quarter. Again, like if they don't go quite scorched earth in that third quarter, maybe the game's close enough where like we're having a bit of a different conversation and like Tatum's having this like two-way superstar kind of lock down the MVP offensive like player of the year type of narrative, but it was just a little bit too late. Um, There's a great stat here um, from Max. On Twitter, uh, Jason Tatum is allowing just zero point five seven one points per possession defending isolations, which ranks fourth among the ninety six players that have defended at least twenty five ISOs via Synergy. That Jason Tatum liked that tweet, by the way. So Max has been doing the Tatum propaganda good fight for a few years yes. now, and uh, so we love to see that. But I love Tatum taking that responsibility and like you know. It's a little, like, sports cliche, coach, give me the matchup. Joe maybe should have been the one to suggest it earlier. But um, I I, I love that. I mean, of all the guys on this team, I've said it before. If I want to lock up one guy on one possession, I think Tatum has, like, the broadest capability. Like, one through five, I mean... If it's Jokic and do you throw an L on there? But like shiftier guards, I think Tatum does well. Like the Halliburton's and Shays, the Jimmy, Jimmy Butler, he guarded incredibly well. Uh, Deck Kevin Durant. Like if I need one guy to get a stop, it's Tatum. And I wonder if on this team, like the best version of Tatum, once you get to the playoffs, is like a slightly scaled down offensive version. And you just like up his offensive responsibilities because Porzingis. Like, he's the offensive, like, ceiling blaster on this team. Derek White being the new initiator. You know, Jalen and Drew still doing their thing. And, like, you just, you know, not not a lot. You know, Tatum's still obviously going to have the ball in his hands, but does the usage come down 2 to 4%? And it's game one against Miami. And instead of waiting until game four, it's like game one, Tatum's primary matchup is Jimmy Butler.
0: Yeah, I think this isn't the first time you've seen it either because remember last year the Grizzlies game I remember Tatum did a similar thing where he was like I'm guarding Jaw down the stretch here and they actually won that game that was, it was a really good one I would say pretty similar to this Thunder game although the Thunder team is probably a bit better than those guys were at that point mm-hmm. but uh, it, it's tough because you want Tatum to be the offensive focal point and he was that against the Thunder and he did a great job at it too uh, i mean he had eight points three rebounds four assists in the fourth quarter on three or six shooting like he took over that game on both ends yeah. it is just very very big ask for a player to do that for an entire four quarters especially against mm-hmm. a player like shea who is going to attack whoever's in front of him regardless who's in front of him like there's not a player in the league that he won't just go at um because he is that good and so Again, like y'all both said, you you wish Derek White and Drew Holiday could have done a better job. I don't completely fault them like it, it sucks and you want them to improve in the future. But SGA is SGA for a reason. Um, and I guess the way to combat it is length, right? Like, like Jason Tatum is quick enough to keep up with him, but he's also long enough to stay stride for stride with him. And Drew Holiday and uh, Derek White just aren't. Um, but asking Tatum to do that for like, I don't know if the Celtics would have made their comeback if Tatum was guarding Shea for all four quarters, because I don't know if Tatum would have been able to be as effective as he was offensively by the time they needed him to, it was just such a tough game. Like everybody was on, even when they took away Shea, like in the fourth quarter, they took away Shea and Chet hit two huge threes and Jalen Williams hit a giant step back in the lane. Like it was just, it was, they were all on uh, the, the thunder were in that game.
2: Yeah, I, I love seeing Tatum take that initiative. I think you make an interesting point, Jake, about him maybe taking a step back on offensively and not a super cool step back, just a regular step back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> Where he doesn't have to take all the shots, right? Now, there is a ton of value in Tatum being an offensive hub. Jack is absolutely right. like He needs to be an initiator at times. He does a great job at drawing multiple defenders and creating openings for his teammates just by being there. And you need him to be physically able to be the best version of himself on, at that end of the floor. But at the same time, your point about Porzingis is absolutely right, too. Like, he's somebody they can go to down the stretch of games where if Tatum is gassed or he's a little tired and he doesn't have the extra juice, Porzingis' seven foot four frame is kind of sick. Like, he can just turn around <laughs> and shoot over guys. And it's super effective. He's shooting like 64.7% in clutch shots this year, which means the game's within five points under five minutes. That's great. That's something the Celtics didn't really have last year, the low post presence that they could go to. With that team that they now have around Tatum, there is the flexibility with the use of Tatum. Like He doesn't have to be the every shot guy. He can be the playmaking guy or the all-defensive guy. He he has the option to shapeshift like Derek White does.
1: Yeah, and at the same time, yeah, maybe he like in, in especially regular season. I saw D J Daniel in the chat here. Um, that should be J T every night. It sh- it sh- it shouldn't though. Like I get I get it. Like you want to see it every night because you want to see the dominant two way performance. But like, what's the point really of him using that energy? in January, February, March. Like, none of this matters if he can't do it in April, May and June. And I go back to that uh that Nets series against uh Kevin Durant where he like as far as two-way performances go, part of that had to do with like the Nets defense not being that good. So like he was able to lock down Kevin Durant and, and Kyrie and have some incredible like one of the best wing defensive performances like I've seen in like Kawhi level stuff, but then also averaging 30 points per game. Like I don't think, I think once he does get to the playoffs, he is one of the most well conditioned athletes in the NBA. Like that's why I always like the Sixers matchup. Not because like Embiid's not good, but because you get to game six, you get to game seven. I know Tatum's going to be there and he's going to be able to play 48 minutes like, pr- like easily and give and give you everything. And so once you do get to the playoffs, I think maybe uh, you do see more of Tatum taking these responsibilities. I just I think it's good to, for everybody involved, Joe, Tatum, to be like, oh, this is something that we should try. As good as Derek White is, as good as Drew is, he's just a different type of defender and the size, length, uh, and foot speed is a very rare combination of defensive skill and um, this, I just want them to not forget when they play the Heat that, like, we don't have to put Derek White on him. Right. We can put Jason Tatum on him and not wait till, like, game four. Um, moving on to a another question. Tatum versus SGA was a hot topic coming into the game yesterday. And, I mean, I think it's pretty clear that Tatum isn't having as good of a season this year as SGA. Like, I think Tatum's having a great year. But, I mean, like... SGA is 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 just on another level this year. I think that's okay. Um one, do you agree with that part? And two, what about broadly overall? Like if we're ranking players just not based on this year's performance, going to basically going into the playoffs, who do you want? Sam, I'll throw it to you, because you gave me an eyebrow raise there.
2: <laughs> so it's more about, like, Tatum than SGA. Like, I'm I'm not going to give you great SGA analysis. That's just not who I am. But I will give you great <laughs> Tatum uh, slander. So I think Tatum has been kind of ass for, like, the last, like, month, month and a <laughs> half. Like, this is signature Tatum, though. Like, Tatum mm-hmm. cannot, and this is why he doesn't have an MVP, put together an entire season where you're like, I don't want to rip my hair out watching him. He does a lot of great things, and we just did a great around the horn about like why he was great yesterday, how he can help them in so many different ways besides scoring. But the true measuring stick for Tatum's, like, is he playing good? Is he not playing good? Is the discipline in, in the decision-making. Yes. I don't need to see him take 10 super cool threes off of dribbles. I think the threes are great when they're catching and shoot, and Jack and I have had to talk. Well, Jack has had to listen to me talk about this. Look at him. He's I done. can't, I
0: can't tell you how sick I am of hearing Sam talk about this because I have a rebuttal Then we've, we've, we've argued about this a million times. I just, I just okay. think it's yeah. like a big, I,
2: I don't know if it's an issue, but it's just like the team could be much better if he was not like settling for tough threes as much as he does. The threes could come down to maybe like six, seven a game. I and mean, he took five yesterday. Like it was a great game for yep. him. Made a lot of great decisions. He got a lot of good looks. He made great plays for his teammates. He hit the glass and like he played defense. It was an all around great game and he didn't have to force the issue on offense and Jack's rebuttal of this, which is a great point is the team has to do more to put him in positions where he doesn't have to do that. Like the, the, the play calls for him need to not be, Hey, go get yours. No, it's like, Oh, okay. Swing it, move around, cut, do something without the ball. That's where, We have uh, come to a middle ground of where they can improve on this. And I think it's very fair. But the sidestep threes make me want to pull my hair out. As far as SGA goes, he seems to be very uh, distinguished and pinpoints his spots and does a great job of getting there. And also that burst is unmatched.
1: Yeah, I'm actually with you, Sam, and I've been someone who's been saying similar stuff for the past. Four to six weeks. And and it's when you're talking about Tatum and how good he is and how good he can be and how good he has been, it's like razor thin nitpick stuff. Because when you're talking about guys that are in that top tier, top well, five, to. top seven, like a very slight 5% here or there is the difference between being like a surefire first team all NBA guy. And and not being that really. And it's like it's it's three shots per game to me. Maybe even two. It's like if he trades those two bad ones that we all know that he has and turns them into tribes, that's literally that's literally the difference right now. And yesterday he did it. My favorite example is the first, is the game seven against Philly, where he had 51. He took three three point attempts in that first half where he goes off for 25 one for three like it's just it's a completely different player you can call it coasting and again like maybe he just instead of taking those two shots just go stand in the corner yes that's valuable it's like that's more valuable than let and let and let Derek White and KP run a pick and roll than you jacking and like not all the pull-up threes are the same I think it's important to distinguish it's like the ones where you come off a screen and like the the guy's playing drop, sure. like it's wide open, that's fine. Like there's some some obvious ones, some the low dribble stuff, but like you know it when you see it. It's uh it's like a few things in this world. You know it when you see it and hear it. And the bad Tatum pull up three, you know it when you see it. And uh, we 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 actually made I thought the only one really bad one he took yesterday, like that uh like the end of quarter one. Right but, before uh, half. But yeah, then he yeah, said, "Hey, which, watch
2: this at the end of the third quarter because they had to get. A, they had to make sure they got a two for one.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. which
2: is also a bogus, it. fake. No, they should never do it. Thing,
1: uh, Jack, we'll let you. We'll let you respond to you because I feel like I can feel right. your um, angst through the screen here. Listen,
0: uh, <laughs> I've like I said, I've argued with Sam about this a million times. I don't like the pull up threes. They're bad shots. They're objectively bad shots. I'm not arguing they're good shots. My biggest thing is one." And I think the Celtics did a lot better job at this Excuse me, last night against the Thunder. I think they need to work to get Tatum more shots within the flow of the offense because almost every time he gets the ball, it is let's clear out and let Tatum work. But more importantly, let's clear out and do nothing. You look anytime Tatum has a ball tough key, no one's moves. No, not a single person moves off the ball. It is Tatum, you're gonna do what you need to do. Go go get a bucket. And while I do think he can turn some of those into drives we know he can shoot them. And the reason I'm okay with one or two of these step backs game, because we know they can go in and they've gone into huge spots for the Celtics before the same like Philly game. You mentioned like he had a couple of those to completely close them out in game six against Philly. He had a couple of huge ones. So I- I'm okay with him taking a few of them without the flow of the game. I think the most important part is don't take them. In big spots if you haven't been making them all night. like like Don't take them in the fourth quarter if you've gone 0-6 or something. Like like You pick your spots. Sprinkle throughout the course of the game. I'm okay with a couple of those step backs. And and I think they've done better at finding him spots to hit his threes and, and play off the catch. But the reality of the situation is Tatum sees more pressure and more bodies than anybody else on the Celtics because he is the best player on the Celtics. And so it is hard for him to get open threes because... No one's going to leave him at the three-point line. And so I'm okay with him taking a couple of those pull-ups throughout the game because those are really the only threes he can get. And I think the Celtics as a team have to work harder to get him those shots. I do think he should drive more and could be better um, <clears throat> Excuse me, if he gets a couple more drives per game. But we know he can make them. And so I'm okay with a couple of them throughout the flow of the game, depending on where they are. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I agree. Like he's taking 5.6 per game. If let's make it 3.6 and he can take uh, one, one more drive and one more post up, and like I really think that would make a huge difference because he's taking like 19.5 field goals per game. If you just take two of those away and make those like clearly more efficient um plays, and also it's just more about like enforcing his physicality on the game. And again, I do think this is a, a regular season thing. When when the game like matters, I do think that he he doesn't settle anywhere near as much, which is why like when you see a game like yesterday, when he's taking it a bit more seriously, like he got into the mid post, nice kind of mid range fadeaway against the SGA, got to the line 10 times, which is like, he hasn't been getting to the line as much this year, but in like some key spots where he's needed to, he has. And so yesterday he gets to the line 10 times. You can just, it's like very obvious the games where he's playing playoff kind of style and regular season style. And I'm actually okay with it. And it's probably a little bit of a difference between SGA and Tatum where we got a little bit off track there. But it's like I feel like a lot of guys, it's like we got to see it in the playoffs first. And we haven't seen Shea do it in the playoffs yet. So this season, Shea's having a great year. He's going to be top three MVP season ended today. But, you know, he hasn't done it in the playoffs. And for whatever reason, Tatum's playoff success never seems to count in these kinds of conversations, despite having like one of the most historically successful playoff resumes for a guy that's 25 and under. And I think a lot of that has to do with the finals performance in the, in the, against the Warriors, which, you know, LeBron James didn't have a great performance uh, in the finals when he was older than Tatum, when Tatum was like 23. And it's like, can SGA go sweep Kevin Durant and the Nets who a lot of people picked against the Celtics? toe-to-toe with Giannis and the Bucks defense, who was like one of the best defenses in the league, the Heat who had one of the best defenses in the league, seven games, and then play the final boss against Tremont, like one of the best defenders Total of boss. all time. Like it's just, okay, yeah, he, he struggled there, but um, those first three rounds should count because he was incredible kind of from start to finish and it doesn't feel like um, he gets the credit for it. But um, in in these types of conversations where people are, like, really ready to move SGA ahead of Tatum kind of overall in the the
2: NBA. It's funny because his whole, like, ascension was because of playoff success. Like, he was a rookie and everyone was like, wait, why are the Celtics in the conference finals? Oh, this guy Tatum's pretty good. He's doing a pretty (laughs) good job at, like, kind of, like, dragging him through the mud after Kyrie and Hayward went out. What's going on here? And then the bubble was some of the best ball I've ever seen him play. And, you know, going forward, you saw, um, I mean, the the weird no fans in the stands season sucked, But the final season, like you said, great playoff outings to get there. Last year, steps up in big spots. I mean, he was terrible in game six against Philly, but he sure stepped up when uh, the game was on the line. Game six against Milwaukee the year before. And then, of course, game seven. Like, he shows up in big games. I don't think anybody doubts that. Or at least they shouldn't. It's not fair. Uh, weird side note. I think Tatum as the roll man would be pretty sick every once in a while too. Yeah, just to Jackson.
1: Yes, yes, agreed. They, yeah. they they do it not quite enough. Like it's it's more like Tatum trying to find the roll man. It's like use Derek White as the passer.
2: Jack. Yeah, like Tatum's quick decision making on a short roll, it would be unmatched. Yeah. like he's he's yeah. quick. Like he he makes good reads. There's no reason not to use it.
1: They went to it with Pritchard in the short roll yesterday, which is a new one. And even Pritchard, a dog, and, uh, that was something. Ta- <laughs> that was cool. Um, alrighty. Uh, I think we can we can move on here. I'll do we'll do this ad read and then we'll kinda of touch on some other stuff part of the game.
2: Score early this NFL season with FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 Moneyline bet. That's $150 if your team wins. If you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better time to get in on the action. The app is easy to use. There's a wide range of betting options, including spreads, player props, over-unders, and more. So visit FanDuel.com Boston and kick off the NFL season. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL.
1: All right. Well, I know I gave out the the Pistons two games in a row uh here, which I should I should have known I was flying too close to the sun when I picked uh the Pistons again against the, Pistons. the Rockets. Yeah. Uh but they did they were close and then they lost by twenty-five. But uh Nuggets Warriors tomorrow, Nuggets in Golden State. I like Golden State plus three. Uh Nuggets kind of just doing whatever right now. Golden State's playing pretty desperate. They had a really nice win yesterday against the Magic, which I enjoyed. And um, they, they they just like can also find a way to lose games like down the stretch at the moment with their turnovers. I think it'll be close. They need this one. Warriors, you get the, the free three points, you know. Um, hopefully no one's keeping track of my record here because I don't think, I think we're starting to dip kind of below 50% uh, pretty easily. But uh, in, in the meantime, rest of the game. Cornet and the double bigs, which I think is not just a yesterday thing. It's something that Joe's been going to a bit. Um, I get the I get the idea, like thunder goes small, let's go big and try and beat them up, get on the offensive glass. They they did they did kind of dominate the offensive glass yesterday. I don't think that had anything to really to do with the uh, the cornet how cornet this double big lineup um thoughts on the double big lineup because i know it's uh not a fan favorite S- specifically cornet plus another big
0: jack i actually actually don't hate it i i, I get the concept oh, of it i i know i know i know it's, <laughs> I, I, it's not that's good perfect it's not perfect and, and cornet does get torched on the perimeter a little bit too often for it to be a long-term like go-to-it-every-game kind of thing. But I think in the right spots, it can be effective. And I I think it honestly just goes back to the fact that they're really comfortable with Cornette in their defensive system. Like, you look down the line past other guys. The only thing I would rather see more than it, and I know Sam's going to be a big fan of this if he doesn't freeze right now. I can tell when he freezes. Look at that. I called it. Um, (laughs) The only thing that I would like better is maybe just throw a Shaper set in there. And I know Sam's a big O shaper set guy. Yep. And so I, I don't mean to steal his thunder. No pun intended. If that's where you're going to go, hey. but I, I, I'm not a, I'm not a huge, like I, I don't dislike it as much as other people do. Cause I, I kind of see the effectiveness of it. Um, there are obvious limitations and I might rather see O Shaper sets slid in, but I actually didn't think it was, it was the end of the world uh, because like you said, it was kind of a, uh, you go small, we go big. I don't know. I, I, I'm, I'm pretty wishy-washy on it, I guess.
2: Well, I think cornet has been pretty good for the most part, if you can hear me this year. Um, like he, He's done a really good job being the third string big guy. That's what he is, the third string big guy. I also think his game is different enough from Al Horford and Porzingis to where you can get away with putting him in there, especially on offense. Also, I got to talk about this. I'm sorry. Come on, go for it. Dale Tice is one of my favorite guys. But when he was here, people loved to hate on him. Now that he's gone, everyone's like, bring him I back. Know, yeah. He won't get burned on defense. Like, if he was here, people would be saying the same thing about him that they say about, about Cornette. Why are they playing this guy? really not good enough no. to play real minutes. <laughs> it, they need to trade for somebody. Trade for I need Andre to trade Drummond.
1: For, I was going to say Andre Drummond. Yeah. Yeah, I was going to say that. Andre's Everybody wants us time to time trade Andre for Drummond. Andre Drummond here we go dj daniel's consistent look he it's in the chat still i just she still hates say,
0: sam and him. i agree on this point and i know he's gonna think the same thing picking on the third string big guys where we're at like what, what are we doing like why, why is that like i just i just know like i you,
2: uh, i love material just pick on that guy
1: I, I, yeah, look, I, I actually, I'm a huge Cornette fan. Um, Spoony last episode um, coined the phrase uh, the Corn the corn Hub because um, he's just been yeah. doing a great well, job. Like uh, a yeah, dude. Yeah. As far as third bigs go, he's been fantastic, especially the last two games coming into tonight, averaging like 16 points, six rebounds. He's like he makes quick decisions, but as the lone big is when he's the most successful. You put him in positions <laughs> to succeed. Put him in drop. He can't switch. Just you play like you play Ben don't break defense with Cornette. Be tall, get him in position to rebound on offense. He's like become like a really, really solid pick and roll partner. So like don't put him on the court with with Al where spacing then becomes more of an issue. Like I think you simplify when it comes to Cornette. Like it doesn't make sense to me to try and to do the double big thing. Because I I think double bigs is great. Pausing is an Al. Cornette, not so much. Um, But Brissette... I was the Lamar Stevens guy coming in. I think don't think I'm gonna get my my dreams gonna come true on that one. I think that ship's pretty much sailed. If it's gonna be anyone, it's gonna be uh, O'Shea Brissett. They should have absolutely tried to match them small for small yesterday. Like they have the horses to do it. And Joe I hopefully learns from it for for the next time that we match up against the Thunder. Or just I want to see the small lineup test it out a little bit more. Like we only have really seen it properly once in that. Magic game after they came off the back-to-back against the Cavs. And it was like Lamar Stevens started the game. And otherwise, we haven't really seen it for extended minutes. But I think this team has the skill and, like, the positional size to actually play small, quote-unquote, Sam.
2: I'm telling you right now. <laughs> O'Shea Brissett, if it. they get him firing from the three-point line, is going to be the found money hey, they should sign someone in the biomarker. Hey, they should trade for somebody guy that everybody is looking for. He gives you all the things that people want. He rebounds. He plays defense. He's athletic. He gives you energy off the bench, if you can still hear me. Uh, he's just <laughs> yeah. great. It's really a so lot Yeah, oh, I'm back. I'm back. Yeah, yeah, you yeah. made it. You all made right. it. Uh, but Brissett, very good. As a small ball center, I can see it. He has the athleticism, the bounce. The intensity to hit the glass, I might just give up. This is this is this is something else.
0: <laughs> Sam has not a uh, uh, no no no. Trust me, he knows. See, there it is. He has right. a, like a little Wi-Fi modem thing that if it flashes red, he knows he's cooked, and so he. It's like, not turning red.
2: It's it's not turning red. It <laughs> won't turn red. It's just, it's false
1: hope. False hope. Exactly. Uh, Jack, um, to t-, t in the chat here. Tari Eason way better than Prissy. Ah uh, yeah, agreed. I would. I mean, if, if you have a, if you ever waited to trade O'Shea Brissett for and the first round pick from last year, that'd be great. But <laughs> I just don't don't think that's on the table, man. Like, yeah, like, hey, there's hey, a reason. Uh, you know, Wembenyama
0: yeah. better than Keda. Thoughts, Ooh. what do we think? We, pff,
1: hey. Come on, man. Come on. Have you seen Cater's net rating over the past <laughs> couple of weeks? Here, this guy knows he how to is win
0: better than Wembenyama.
1: Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, like I think that that. We just got to simplify with Cornet because I think he's been great. Um, the other piece from last night, Drew, obviously, struggled. I know he was he missed the previous game with the elbow. He wasn't on the injury report coming to the game. So I'm like, I don't think it was the elbow or anything. But the defense was one side of the ball. He just got cooked by shame, is what it is. But offensively, he was like a dis- complete disaster. Like short-arming layups and... Just decision making turnovers. He almost gave himself a concussion on the turnover. He did recover and ended up leading to a good play by like laying out to save it. But um, Joe benched Drew Holiday in the fourth quarter. Frog dude, Peyton Pritchard, and it was like very successful. Pritchard was awesome in in the fourth quarter and to close and was huge in that in that comeback. Two, did you like the move? Three. Well, if Marcus Smart was still here, does Joe Missoula make that move? Jack will go to you.
0: Um, I'd like to think so. I don't think, I'll put it this way. I don't think Joe would have made it with Marcus last year. I think he would have made it with Marcus this year. Because, And I, I think that plays to the evolution of Joe as a coach. I love the move. I mean, it was so clear that Drew didn't have, and even though Drew is obviously the better player, it was clear that they were winning. Uh, and playing better basketball with Peyton Pritchard on the floor. Uh, I mean, because if if Tatum's the one guarding Shea, I guess you'd just rather have the energy and the uh, the three point shooting there. And Peyton didn't even like make a bunch of impact threes. He was just the more impactful player uh, on the night. And I, I think it's it takes guts to make that move if you're Joe. Like you have a very clear solidified uh, ending five, we'll call it. Plus Al Horford, if you want to run double bigs in that spot. Like those are the six guys you go to. There's no like there's very little. You know, room for deferring outside of that line, and he was like, "Nope, Drew's not on it. We're going with Pritchard," and it worked. It almost worked, I should say. Like, like they made their comeback with Drew on the bench, and I think that's a huge credit to Joe Mazzulla for uh, being willing to do that because that's not a move a lot of coaches around the league, especially a lot of first and second year coaches, are going to be willing to make.
2: Yeah, I think also sadly that that is part of the reason why Marcus is no longer here. Of course, Porzingis came as. Uh,
1: yeah.
2: You know, part of the deal. But I think they moved him because they didn't feel like they could really handle him. It, I I'm very sorry. There there is nothing I can <laughs> do. Wi-Fi. It's just like only when I talk. <sighs>
1: I I thought he was just like being really, really sorry no, no, about no. um how, like disparaging Marcus Smart. I was like it's okay dude. Like everyone's no. going to forgive you like that uh that Marcus Smart. But uh, he, I, you I mean you seem good to me but yeah there it is. I guess I guess he you guys know better. He
0: than knows. Me. Yeah, he but, knows. Um,
1: <laughs> but yeah, like I, I I I think that's fair Jack because that's what I was thinking. I wonder if it's because the second, like, Joe Mazur has clearly been a different guy in the second year. Like, no question. Sam, go. I think you're, you're back, so I think this is your chance.
2: Nah, I mean, I, I think they got rid of him because, like, he was button heads with Joe. I, I, I just think that was part of it. I'm not sure if uh Joe would have kept him in the game. I think, I think benching the guy is always the right move if somebody else is playing better and it's going to help you win. That's just part of coaching. That's part of reading the room. That's part of making the right decision. I also think, despite the uh, missed bunnies coming with the left hand, the sprained elbow is definitely affecting Drew. Because this is the first like really bad Drew game we've seen in a while. Yes, yeah, so it's like the Timberwolves game. He has game. been very solid. Other than this internet, for sure. <laughs> I don't know. I'm done. All right? Right. I'm done talking All right. for now. All I right, know, we'll no, leave him.
1: But yeah, no, Jack. That's that's true. Though Drew, I mean, I literally posted Drew Holiday propaganda the morning before the game, being like, he is oh the no. unsung hero <laughs> of of this Celtic season, or like of this of this like dominant stretch, yeah. like. You know the going back to the post paces run all the way through yesterday. He's been kind of an unsung hero, and how consistent and dominant he's been on two ends. Like thirteen points per game, sixty-one percent true shooting, four assists, like two point four assist to turnover, fifteen uh, percent usage. It was just like consistent every night, solid glue guy, perfect fifth guy for this team. Spot ups doing doing it all. Um, and this is the first time it's popped up it does make me a little queasy like um think, thinking about the playoffs like bucks fans think that like, kind of been like this is what happens um obviously it's just one game but it's it's popped up in two close big games important games granted the t-wolves game wasn't as big at the time like the t-wolves hadn't really taken off back then but yeah something um something to keep an eye on i think and uh but I'm not. I'm not really worried about Drew, just because like he can only do so much damage in this role. Like yeah. when he's your second best player, then yeah, if he goes destructor mode, then you can't bench him. Whereas like we could, we can bench him, or it's just like stand in the corner, dude. Just chill. We'll switch you on. We we'll switch you on to a power forward. Um, but yeah, so the the Drew being bench for Pritchard, I thought was uh, that was beautiful. All right, we'll we'll close this one out here. Um, was is our favorite. Which one here? This is like... Where are the cameras?
0: <laughs> Just which... We can still hear you. Just, which comment are you talking about? <laughs> he can't hear us is the problem. Right. Uh, yeah. I know... Right. Yeah, I'll let you rock. I was reading the comments, but...
1: No, you're good. You're good. All right. Well, I think we'll... Um, yeah, check it. I will say, like, Drew being very willing yeah. to be this guy, we heard nothing about like him being upset or anything last night. He looked like totally fine on the, on the bench. Um, And I think that's part of the smart thing. Like smart built was, he built this, he, he truly was like a founder of this era of basketball. So it's absolutely fair for him to feel like he should be out there. And dude, he, he was the reason they won a lot of huge, huge games. So I absolutely understand Mm -hmm. it. But Having the kind of political sway for this to not be an issue now is, is actually kind of a big deal.
2: <laughs> yeah, I agree. This Bucks thing oh. is interesting that getting rid of Drew is a good thing. Did you see the clip of uh, Dame just looking into the crowd while Halliburton went right to the basket? <laughs> like, yes, the Bucks have a good record, but do you really feel like fear Milwaukee? I guess this might be a segue if we're going to talk about the rest of the league, but like, do you really fear them? Like, I don't know. Like, I'd rather play against them with Dame than them with Drew.
1: <clears throat> I love this. I love this. Hold that thought. It's coming up right now. Sean
2: Floyd. The Sixers. Sean Floyd. The Lakers. Sean Floyd. The Heat. Sean Floyd. Milwaukee Bucks. Sean Floyd. Warriors. Sean Floyd.
1: Perfect timing, Sam. Absolutely. I'm not sure (laughs) which dimension you're kind of in at this point, but uh Pacers (laughs) Pacers
2: for my life, dude.
1: Beat the Bucks. That Mm. is that makes the season series four one because of the IST. (laughs) They've played each other five times this season. Four one. And before we kind of hopped on here, Sam and me were talking about the rivalry. You know, we have the IST game, Pacers win, we have the Pacers stole my ball gate for Giannis and Dame in the box, which was just an embarrassment for the Bucs, I thought, over a fricking <laughs> ball. But um, the, the the Bucks had two shots to kind of get their lick back here. They lose both. I put up a video breaking down the Bucs' uh, fourth quarter defense last game, how disastrous it was. Today, the Pacers had 113 points after three quarters and shooting like 37% from three, not even going scorched earth. I'm with you, Sam. I, I think I'm less. I think I'm. I'm. I'm less scared of the Bucks with Dame than I am with Drew. Because the best way to beat the Celtics, I say it all the time, is to short circuit their offense. Last night was like an absolute outlier where the Celtics' offense was still pretty good, and they, lo- they lose. Like hence why the Celtics. That's their first loss where they shoot 33 percent or better undefeated first loss, which is an awesome number. The way to beat the Celtics is heat. Just muck up the the offense and the way that Draymond and the Warriors did it to the Celtics. That's how you beat the Celtics. If you can't get stops against this Celtics team, like you just you don't have a chance. Especially with the way they're going to be out of God damn Sam. Go. I
2: mean, Dame is a traffic call. We we all saw <laughs> it. And and when when he hijacked the whole end of the summer with with the big hey uh, Miami, please trade for me. I won't play for mm. anybody else. The whole thing was like, well, if not Miami, where else are you going to go? And the Celtics kept getting thrown out there. And I was like, why should the Celtics want this guy? He's going to be – he's 30 – what is he, 33 now? He's They're making like $60 million. Yeah. And and he just like is going to continue to make more and more money as he ages. And even from an offensive standpoint, the athleticism is a big part of his ability to be effective. It's only going to get worse as he gets older in defense – based on athleticism. It's a big part of it. Also, you know, uh, judgment and uh, predicting what moves they're going to do, whatever. And you're not mobile. It's not going to get better.
0: Jackie, teeter tottering. I got it. Uh, yeah, listen, I think defense is just as important. And I think the Bucks with Drew Holiday obviously are a much better defensive team. I, I am I don't want to say worried. I think the Celtics are a better team than the Bucs. They're more well-built, but I I think the pick and roll between Dame and Giannis is really going to shine in the playoffs and could be one of the most difficult things to guards for other teams, especially when offenses get more focused and you go to your one action over and over and over again, instead of trying to diversify things. Um, I would still rather play the Bucs than maybe some other teams that have a more direct path to like slowing down the Celtics offense. But I, I I do think there is a world where that is very difficult to guard regardless of the team. I It's tough for me to say whether or not the Bucs are better with Drew and or with Dame because we haven't seen it in the playoffs yet. And the Bucs very clearly were not good enough on offense in the playoffs last year. But the defense is still a major concern, um, even though the Bucs have been very good and... It does just seem to be the Pacers that are the Kryptonite at this
1: point. <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. But I will say, I saw some numbers. The the, the Bucs have had insane shooting luck. Like teams are just shooting really bad on like open and wide open against them for like just no reason so far. And I saw, like, I think the guy that does locked on box, forgetting his name right now, was like, it was kind of bound to come to an end at some point. And I forget the game the other day uh, who it happened against, but like, They've been getting really lucky and their defense has been bad. I just don't see how that gets solved. I saw DJ Daniel calling smart to the Bucs. I've seen that thrown around actually a fair bit on Twitter. I would buy Bucs fans mostly. zero. I would say 0% chance. Like He's part of what the Grizzlies want to do for the next two to three years. Um, they traded two first-round picks for him, got Tyus Jones out the door. That's... Jarz, Steele Young, Triple J, and Bane, And also, the Bucks have nothing to trade. Like, the only way they get out of this mess defensively is if some dumb team trades for Bobby Portis and two second-rounders and Pat Connaughton for some reason. I saw uh, Nathan Marzion, the King of Bucks Twitter, throw out uh, Matisse Theibel. That would be great. I would love that if they traded for Matisse Thiebel. I'd much prefer to play the Bucks with Theibel than Pat Connaughton. Like, because... Tybal actually is a zero way player especially when you're trying to guard the Jays. <laughs> he's like he's I get one of Australia's own big fan um and but like his defense was always so overrated to me. He was like a he's like a gambler on defense, always going for steals and if he's not getting those mm. then like too small to guard the the Jays and offensively he's shooting better from 3, but he's like a fake good shooter in that 36 37% on wide open shots, low volume playoffs, like, just not going to happen. Um, guys, Bobby Portis is bad. But, like, if Bobby Portis wants to be our <laughs> ninth man, that would, that, that, would, that would be an upgrade on Luke Cornett, maybe, I guess. But Portis is terrible on defense. Like, so he, he's gotten played off the court in two years in a row in the playoffs. Um, but, yeah, the Bucks, man, they – um, I, and, and to your point, Sam, about Dame's athleticism, so much of their crunch time offense success, success this year has been due to – Dame getting to the free throw line. All like, all game, but specifically in the fourth quarter. And that stuff is going to dry up if someone like Dame, especially like as the years go on. Like Giannis is always going to get to the free throw line. But free throws for everybody dry up. Embiid. Harden. Dame's like grifting his way to like an acceptable season right now. But it's been a it's been a, a not a good year for for Dame so far.
0: Yeah. Uh, the defense is rough. <laughs>
1: um,
0: I don't know who's out there. Like it does feel like they need a trade. I would like Caruso for them. I don't know how effective he'd be at guarding like Tatum and Brown. That said, I don't know how effective anybody they get is gonna be at guarding Tatum and Brown and Caruso might be the best bet they got. I don't know. And also, oh I, I I still don't get the Cornette hate. I'm sorry. I was reading the chat. Like, anybody who's yeah, yeah, yeah. better than Cornette is just ridiculous. This is like, I just, oh my God. Yeah, dude, sorry. there's like it gets probably me 100 heated.
2: players better than him. At least 150, 175. He's a third string center.
0: <laughs> yeah, dude. Sorry, <laughs> like, we get heated at the Cornette hate. No, That's no, I, I,
1: you, I went off on the like Cornette. It's just a dumb place to,
2: like, get mad.
1: <laughs> yeah. Get, yeah. get I, mad at
2: something I, that matters. Like, like yeah. legitimately matters.
1: Cornett's not going to play in the playoffs, and if he does, like, like it can be so minimal. Um, mm. Yeah, but the, the Bucks just have no assets. Like they have, like they traded five second round picks for Jay Crowder last year. Who maybe he's the secret to their defensive issues once he returns. I have a feeling. It won't be. But hey, that's a, that's a nice kind of <laughs> result for, this, for the Celtics here. You know, if you drop a game to the Thunder, you know, that technically makes the Bucks a little bit closer to you in the standings. But now the Bucks have three more losses than you, two and a half games back in the loss column. They lose the season series to the Pacers 4-1. Like, yeah, it's as close to a playoff series as you're going to see before the playoffs. And uh they got absolutely smoked like their their adjustments zone picked apart it, it, was, it was beautiful to see outside of them kind of being two points short of my parlay but boys any uh, closing thoughts on the bucks uh, from a schadenfreude perspective
0: um i don't know I, the bucks it might just be a Celtics arrogance thing, but the Bucs and Sixers fall below the heat on my don't-want-to-play-them-in-the-playoffs power rankings. Wow. Like, I, I, I think the Celtics would fare better against the Bucs or the Sixers uh, than against the Heat. And I think a lot of people said that last year, and a lot of, like, top analysts were like, that's ridiculous, and then well, look what happened. Like, <laughs> who, who knocked the Celtics out? Um, I don't know. The... the um, excuse me, Bucks seem like they're one defensive piece away and the Sixers and beat has done nothing in the playoffs. So I, that's, that's all until he does something. That's always going to be what I double back on, but that's, yeah, I don't know. Those two teams are like, they're cool, but I don't know.
2: Is the the least deserving NBA player ever? Like yes. he actually might, he might be the worst guy ever to be in the NBA.
1: Yeah. I was going to say, like Haslam came to mind, but like, He at least was good in the NBA for over a decade and then like had like the built in culture piece. So if you are gonna have a guy on the end of the bench that's like not good, at least he actually knows what he's talking about. He's he is purely a cheerleader. They could just give him a seat, you know, at the end of the bench. Be a lot cheaper.
2: He might actually actually, not even have like a seat on the bench. Like they might not have enough spots because he's literally always standing. (laughs) I like actually detest the NASA's.
1: Yeah, he makes me <laughs> irrationally annoyed. It, it doesn't. I it, it shouldn't make me as annoyed as it does because who cares? But like it does. And uh yeah, like when he did the when he did the fake hold me back thing in the Yana's ball gate, like that. Yeah, killed me, dude. That was like, cringe. That was bad. Hold me back, dude. It's like he's you being held back by a by a pinky. It's come on, man. <laughs> all right, all right. Uh dudes, appreciate you guys hopping on. Everybody, check out how about them Celtics? They're live. All the time, pre games, best pre game going out there. Um, anything else to plug, I uh, fellas? I think you got it. Just how about them
0: Celtics? We appreciate you. Subscribe yeah, to don't,
2: first floor though. Don't choose oh, Verizon to provide your Wi-Fi. If like, <laughs> <laughs> I want anything, I, Like I'm like legitimately so mad, and I feel terrible that I was like unavailable uh, for the second half of the show.
1: <laughs> Did it's totally fine, and it's not your fault, and it's bullshit that you can't just pay for something that. It should just be a human right at this point. I would like Um, to take
2: a baseball bat to this little.
1: (laughs) There's nothing more infuriating. Yeah. Uh, I'm with you, man. Anyway, legends, uh, Celtics blog playback room. We'll be back again for the jazz game. Um, that's been super fun. I've got to actually go make the highlight video of us being sad. Actually, it wasn't even that sad watching the, uh, the Thunder loss. The, the Warriors loss was a tough one to go back and uh, and experience, but this one was more just like a tip of the hat uh, and respect all around and take the L and move on. Everybody in the chat, thank you. Landon, DJ, Mars31, T, you're all legends. Uh, Monica, man, great, great names out here, but uh, Jack, Sam, Till next time, go Celtics.